book of Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. So remain standing, if you will, please, for the reading word of God. Brother Green, with all my heart, I want to say thank you. Brother Tim, thank you for the message. Thank you so much. Much needed, much needed, much needed. I praise the Lord for, well, let me just say thank God for the preaching of the word of God. God deliver us from such low, can I use the word, I call it the only thing better, such low character as we're seeing in a lot of the realms of the ministry of our day. God help us, God help us, God help us. Acts chapter 1 verse number 8, the Bible said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Keep your Bible open. Let's bow our heads and hearts for a moment of prayer. Then the message from the word of God for this morning. Our precious heavenly Father, again the Lord at the throne of grace and mercy, in Jesus' name I come before you to pray. Lord, I do want to say thank you for the joy of salvation. Lord, I want to express my gratitude again for the meeting that you have blessed us with, dear Lord, thus far. Lord, I look forward with anticipation of what you're going to do in the remainder of the services. I pray, Father, for every message and every man of God, all the singers, the givers, the prayers. Lord, I pray for those in our presence who are still needy people in some area of their life. They're seeking for answers. They're searching for help. I pray that you will speak and work and do what you want to do and what needs to be done to the glory of your own self. Father, now the message before me today, I sure do need you. I pray, Father, that you will enable the people to come with me in this thought, this message. You say what you want to say and do what you want to do and for what you do, I praise you for it because I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Maybe see that? Do please keep your Bible open for the message this evening, this morning from the Word of God. I got out of bed this morning and walked into my study. And as I was just pondering, meditating, the thought went through my mind, and all you preachers understand this Lord, I may have to preach again. I don't know what to preach. What do I preach? I didn't know what I was going to follow. But God did. And so God dealt with my heart about doing this, and I want to be obedient to him this morning. And I, I'm not trying to put any damper on any part of the service or what's going on. I, Brother Bradley's known me most of his life. I love count meeting. Oh, goodness, did I say the wrong thing? I said I love count meeting. You say, what have it, preacher, you like? I like it all. If I don't like it, I just leave it. But I like camp meeting. I love the singing. I love the shouting. I love the preaching. I love the fellowship. I love the running the aisles. I love the giving the offering. I love camp meeting. I do. I remember one time down at our place at Risaka, Dr. Shatner was to get up and preach, and before he got up to preach, we had quite a bit of running the aisles and lapping the building, you know, and all that going on. Dr. Seidler was on up in years. He got up in the podium, up at the podium to preach. 
And he said, don't worry about these young fellas running around. The last one I saw run ran all the way to the mission field. So I just say, keep running, youngins. Keep running. Keep running. I don't, I have not preached this in quite a while, but God dealt with my heart this morning. Preach a message that I put in print years ago. It's in two of my books, a matter of fact, my book on missions, missions, missions. And I'm preaching today on the tragedy of missing missions. Now, if this is not a camp meeting message, Brother Gravely, talk to the Lord. <laughs> I don't mean that as any sense of disrespect to you as a pastor at all. But thank God for the shouting. Thank God for it all. But let's find something to do as we leave here to progress this thing and carry out the, the purpose of camp meetings to get us ready to do what God calls us to do. So let's let God speak to our heart from his word. In the book of Acts chapters one through chapter number 12. And I will be through with 12. In Acts chapter one through chapter number 12, there's a story of two churches. One of them, the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. The second, the First Baptist Church at Antioch. You said, preacher, why do you call them Baptists? They were no other kind then. But there's an unusual story most of the time or oftentimes looked over in these chapters. The first church, the church of Jerusalem, could easily be identified as a great church. But in our, in our study of the word of God today, we're going to find our heartbreaking discovery. The great church became a late church. It died. Then the church at Antioch could be easily identified as the unknown church. But because of this message we're looking at today, that unknown church became an eternally known church. And it's not because of size or personality, but it's because of one reason. It's what they did with the great commission, the marching orders of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church at Antioch made the mistake, the tragedy of missing missions, and God moved the candlestick from Jerusalem down to the place at Antioch. And God's headquarters of operation after Acts chapter number 11 is there in Antioch. As you know, if you're a student of the word of God, stay with me, I'm gonna run fast. Acts 1.8, you have God's plan for the church. May I emphasize God's plan for every church. You're no more than a social club or civic organization if you ignore the marching orders of the Great Commission. God's plan for every church is described very clearly in Acts chapter one, verse number eight. Three things, you're gonna write them down. He begins this verse with a, re, with a prerequisite. But ye shall receive power. Can I emphasize, please, you know what he's saying? Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Ghost gets on you. 
I'd say to you in our generation, it's not necessary to stay in Jerusalem, but stay in your home church till God gets on you. You don't need to be out there in the battlefield until God gets on you and God will prepare you and equip you with the power of the Spirit of God then thrusts you out. The prerequisite. Then there's the plan. God didn't say you might do it, but when the Holy Ghost gets on you, ye shall be witnesses unto who? Unto me, the resurrected Lord. So God is still in the business of reaching others through the witness of those that are saved and filled with the Spirit of God. But Thurman, I know there's a prerequisite, there's a plan, but there's a place. He names both. And then he names four places. The word both teaches us this is not a secession. It's not a Jerusalem first then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost part of the earth. The word both teaches us that we are to be simultaneously reaching in what you and I identify as home missions and foreign missions, both at the same time. It's not enough just to reach home, but don't overlook home. It's not enough to reach around the world, but don't overlook the world. And so God's plan is every church Every church, every church, the power of God on them. They start a witnessing program and reach both across the street, across the state, and across the sea simultaneously at the same time. Number two, if you're making notes, not only there's God's plan for the church, but in Acts chapter number two, you have God's preparation of the church. Now, I want to slow down and say this. In Acts chapter number two, God equips the church to do out everything it needs to carry out Acts 1 8. And it only equips it, He gives an example of it in this chapter. And I'm just going to name it. I don't have time to deal with it. You say, what happens in Acts chapter number 2? Well, first of all, they were endued with the Spirit. Amen. And that is an absolute essential in world evangelism. Endued with the Spirit. That a man of God who's endued with the Spirit, you know what he did? He started expounding the Scriptures. As he expounded the Scriptures, he exalted the Savior. And while the man of God endued with the Spirit of God expounds the Scriptures, exalts the Saviors, sinners start crying out an exclamation. What must I do to be saved? And it still works today. Chapter number three, I move quickly. Not only you got God's promise, God's plan of the church, you have God's, God's preparation of the church, but in Acts chapter number three and following, we come to God's problems with the church. And we got real quiet. I don't mind that. God has always had some problems with the church. If you ever think you found the perfect one, don't join it. You'll be a problem to it. God's problem with the church. But the problem that he has with Jerusalem is very unusual and unique. So I want you to follow me closely as we look at these in the word of God. Let me just give you the word that I'm going to deal with. First of all, in Acts chapter number 3, we find the first Baptist church at Jerusalem has a problem with miracles. 
Now listen to me. God is a miracle-working God. If God ever could, he still can. Amen? I'm being brief, but you get the point. But what I'm saying here is the miracle that we better watch out. You better watch that person who's always magnifying miracles. Miracle ministry, miracle men, miracle methods. No, my friend, but the church of Jerusalem, in chapter number three, verses, well, the first 10 verses or so, you have the story of the healing of the man that's laid there those years. Peter and John come up to the doors of the temple, fixing to go into prayer meeting, and there lays that man. He asks an arm. And I see, like Peter gestured with his hands, stopped John, John, Peter and John, and said, wait a minute, and said, he looked at him and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have given out in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he went leaping and running and made three or four laps around the first Baptist church at Jerusalem that night. I often imagine what it'd be like to work with a member, man who's a member of that at that service. Meet him the next day at the break room and say, what happened last night? He said, I'm telling you, we never saw it like we did last night at the First Baptist in Jerusalem. I said, well, well tell me about it. He said, well, we're, our preacher Peter and preacher John come up. And man, asked it on. He said, we don't have anything, but we'll give you what we got. And Peter reached down, took him to the right hand. That man raised up, started leaping and jumping and praising God. We got a miracle church. The First Baptist at Jerusalem. For time's sake, I'm just going to mention this. I could go into the fact how our preachers got thrown in jail, chapter 4. And our miracle church prayed them out. Again, in chapter number 4, our miracle preachers, boy, we got on our miracle prayer line and our miracle God and all our miracles. We got, we got, we got a miracle church. Praise God. And I want to say again, thank God he can do miracles. But be careful that you don't get hung up on miracles and miss missions. Number two, they don't only got a miracle problem, but this crowd's got a multiplying problem. They've got a multiplying problem. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, it began, if you'll just use your memory a moment, they began in Acts chapter number one with 120. Brother Green, I like to use this as a record-breaking month. There's four times numbers are mentioned. So the first Sunday, we got 120. The next Sunday, they baptized about 3,000. The next Sunday, chapter number four, the number of men. Men's Sunday school class, the number of men is now 5,000. And by the time you come to chapter number six, they call it a multitude. Now, I don't know what the word multitude means where you come from, but in Georgia, that means a whole bunch of them. So they go from 120, 3,020, 4,000 men, 5,000 men, and then a whole multitude. I'm telling you, that kind of growth would embarrass some of the big boys. But they not only got a miracle problem, they got a multiplying problem, but they have a money that's not unusual for Baptist churches to have money problems, but this is an unusual money problem at the First Baptist Church at Corinth. 
Let me do it in story form for just a moment. I'm being as brief as I can here. But can you imagine, again, going to work on Monday morning with a fellow who's a member of the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem and say to him, tell me, how'd it go yesterday? He said, well, you know, I told you we got a miracle church and we got a multiplying church, but we got a money church. I said, well, what happened? He said, our membership started selling their properties and bringing money and putting it down at the preacher's feet. He said, let me give you one example. He said, you remember that man whose name is Ananias and Sapphira, his wife? You know what, what they, I don't want to point anywhere, but you know what they said over there in our church? We just started Sunday school. Took the offering and, and, and Barnabas comes down on the first Sunday. Dumps a pile of money at the preacher's feet. And he said, what's that for, Barney? He said, I sold some real estate and here's the money. We've never seen such an offering. Of course, they had never been to Faith Baptist camp. Or now then, Bible Baptist, you believe. And then, and you ain't gonna believe what else happened. That couple, Ananias and Sapphira, he stood up and said, preacher, if Barney do it, we'll do it. Now, if you know your Bible, the next Monday is quite a different story. We meet at the break room, and I look at my friend, and he's just rather quiet. I said, well, what happened yesterday? He said, well, I, 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 what happened? Well, I said, well, what about Ananias? And so he said, you ain't going to believe this. He said, we just started Sunday school, took the offering, and just like, just like the other one did last week, he said, Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira, I got my name right. Ananias come down to the and dumped a bunch of money at the preacher's feet. Preacher said, what's this, Ananias? He said, that's the money for the ground we sold. And you're not going to believe what our preacher done. He looked at him and said, is that all it brought? Right in front of everybody. He said, yes. What happened? He fell over dead. You mean Ray got dead right in front of everybody? Well, let me tell you what else happened. You're not going to believe this. Our preacher didn't even dismiss Sunday school. He appointed the first Baptist burying committee and started the first Baptist cemetery, but the church went on. What else? Well, three hours later. Now, I heard one preacher say here is Bible proof it takes a woman longer to get ready for church than it does a man. I don't know if that's right or not, but three hours later. <laughs> forgive me, ladies. Three hours later, here comes his wife walking in. You're talking about a situation, preacher. Her husband left earlier three hours ago with all that money. Yeah. She gets to church and he's not there and she don't see the money. Yeah. Yeah. She goes up to preacher Peter and said, preacher, 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 have you seen my husband? He was here earlier. Yes, he's here earlier. Oh, you're talking about this money? Yeah, he gave me this money. I got one question to ask you, ma'am. Is that all it brought? 
She said, yeah. And Peter said, if you'll listen, you'll hear the footprints of them that are coming from just burying your husband. They're fixing to carry you out and bury you. And she died. Now, they got a miracle problem. They got a money problem. They got a multiplying problem. I don't look at that saying that money problem. Saying, well, we lost two members, but we got a good offering anyway. So, <laughs> but I look at me just a moment. What's wrong with that? You said, preacher, I'm a Baptist pastor, and I like to have that kind of multiplying problem. I like to have that kind of miracle problem. I like to have that kind of money problem. But wait a minute. They majored on miracles, money, and multiplying. <laughs> and forgot or ignored missions. Now, I want you to listen carefully. I'm not going to back down on what I'm fixing to say. I'm dealing with God's church, the church of Jerusalem. Am I right? Would you agree that God's church? God will not allow his church to ignore missions and prosper. I'm not going to say anything about the church you're a member of. I'm just giving you that guideline. If you can get by and ignore the Great Commission, God's not in it. Missions is a heartbeat of God. Missions is a whole of the whole creation. And we cannot be right with God and ignore the Great Commission. I move to number four. There's not only the plan of the church, there's preparation of the church, there's problem of the church. But then there's persecution on the church. Can I say it? There's not a church and a situation in the world that God does not know exactly how to deal with it. God may run you out before us instead of faith, but God will get you going into the well. If you're his, he'll get you involved in the work. Of missions. Well, things seem to be going pretty good. We've got all this money. And I'm hesitant to say what I'm fixing to say. If you're not going to do things God's way, then there's usually just one alternative. Man's way. So you know what they did? We got all this money. We got to do something with it. If a church has got enough money to argue over, you are missing God somewhere. Amen. Amen. So what are we going to do? Oh, somebody come up with a brilliant idea. The preachers go out and open up a food bank and start, and I'm not against food banks, but they start giving groceries to the members. And it pleased the crowd. I wouldn't care if my church bought my groceries, would you? And things are going great until one particular time. Brother Randy's my associate pastor, and I'm jester, and him as pastor. Peter and John's up there in the study getting ready, you know, and they hear a noise. An errant woman, a mad woman. It ain't fair. She got more than I did. I'm gonna tell preacher Peter. Peter looked at John and said, I tell you, we better turn this over to somebody else. We've got to give our time to studying and praying. Let's get spiritual now. We got ourselves in this mess. How do we get out of it? 
But now notice, if you will, there's not only that disturbance over distribution, but then as a result of that, there is the death of a disciple. Now, I've been preaching this message for going on 35 years, maybe even 40. But I've got a question I can't answer. If you can help me, I wish you would. I wish you would. I wonder what would happen if they had sent out those seven men with that money instead of setting them over the money. Now, I know it's common teaching from the Baptists that this is the first deacon, but they're not called deacons in the Bible. If they are deacons, deacons must not be very important because they're not only mentioned again, only two of them mentioned, ever mentioned again. They have no part in the organization and operation of the church in those days, and I done made too many arguments there, but I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm just simply saying, you. I wonder what would happen. You see, out of those seven men, two are mentioned, and both of them are evangelists. All of them Greeks. I don't know what that means, but that's what Brother Randy said. All of them are Greeks. <laughs> Amen. But what I'm saying to you is this. God moves in. I wonder if they had sent out Stephen. But John Stephen only preached that one message and got killed. I wonder what he could have done on the mission field. Can I throw out another question? It's because... If, if the church had had a mission program, then Stephen probably would have been on a mission field. So I wonder, did Stephen die a premature death? Because his church had no missions program. I wonder how many Baptists across America in our lifetime have died prematurely at the judgment of God and never even knew what was going on because their church did not teach them and train them the value and importance of serving God in the area of missions. There's not only the death of the disciple, there's the dread of the disciple. Paul comes on the scene. They start casting, who's that guy? Who's that guy? And then in Acts chapter 8, I want you to turn there with me, please. Acts chapter number 8. I want you to notice here is the dispersing of these disciples. And I repeat something I said a little bit earlier. When the church will not obediently respond to what God wants them to do and tells them to do, God has a means of getting our attention and getting the church where he wants them to be, even though it may cost the church to do so. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was great persecution against the church, which was in Jerusalem. I mean, did I read that right? At that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Can I add a word for emphasis? Which were still at Jerusalem. Acts 1.8 to Acts 8.1. They're still sitting at home, majoring on their miracles, multitude, money, monstrosity. Can I say what I want to say? I don't mean to be disrespectful, but fooey on missions. Let the world go to hell. We got to have our big monstrosity. I don't care if you get 5,000, Brother Peter. I don't care if you get 5,000. I probably like seeing people reach the world. I'm just simply saying to you, don't build your own program. 
the expense of mission missions to deal with God in that. Now watch this. I'm going to give you two more things. Just quickly, please. There's not only God's plan of the church, there's God's preparation of the church, there's God's problem with the church. There's God's persecution on the church. There's the disturbance of the disciples. There's the death of the disciples. There's the dread of the disciples. There's the dispersing of the disciples. I want to go back to chapter 8, verse number 1, and finish that verse. The Bible said, and there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were scattered abroad throughout all the regions of, what does your King James Bible say? Judea and Samaria. I believe I've heard them two names before. Watch me just a moment. Isn't it amazing? They were not staying in Jerusalem because they didn't know where to go. God told them where to go. And I want to tell you something. God has a way of driving us from our comfort zone to the battle zone, war zone of doing the work of God. So the disciples, they're dispersed. Then number two in that same chapter, you have all the dispersing of the disciples, but you've got the, you've got the dread of the disciples, you have the dispersing of the disciples, but then look what happens when God gets the church out of Jerusalem. You have not only God's plan for the church, God's preparation church, God's problem of the church, God's, God's per- persecution on the church, but God's performance through the church. I want to make a statement and I'm going to give you this last and be through. God will get his work done with you or without you. I don't say this with any delight, Pastor. You travel, you see the same thing. I travel all over this country and see churches with all kind of signs in front of them. Used to be church buildings I'm talking about. But Tim, you see them where they built for 500 people and they got 50 and a bunch of it roped off. You see what happened? Check the record on it. Look at your, Bible, look at your Bible, if you will, in Acts chapter 8, verse number 4. As soon as he got the church out of Jerusalem, the word got scattered. Isn't it amazing? They that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching. But all the word got scattered, but jump down just a little bit, and you'll find the wicked got saved. The Samaritans, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. The Samaritans experienced what I would really say is the first revival after this dispersion. While revival is going on in Samaria, and Samaritans got saved, while revival is going on in Samaria, then something else happens. God says to Philip, one of those seven, Go down to Gaza. I love this. I hope you see what I'm saying when I say this. Philip had done been through one round of persecution for disobeying God. So when God said, Philip, head south, he said, I'm on my way. He ran. And you know what happens in Acts 8? The Ethiopian unit got saved. You know what happened in Acts 9? Saul and Tarsus got saved. You know what happened in Acts chapter number 11? Cornelius' household got saved. Now, wait a minute. Did you hear what we just said? As soon as God got the church out of Jerusalem, don't turn me off. 
He reaches into the three, what I call God-given ethnic divisions of humanity from the descendants of Adam. When he saves that Ethiopian eunuch, he saves a descendant of Ham. When he saves Saul of Tarsus, he saves a descendant of Shem. When he saves the household of Cornelius, he saves a descendant of the other son of Lot there. I'm saying to you, my friend, when God got the church out, the word got scattered, the wicked got saved, and it still works in our day. Let me give you these other two quickly. Not only the wealth got scattered, the word got scattered, the word got scattered, the, wealth, the wicked got saved. But in chapter number 11, look at your Bible just for a moment. Verse 19 through 21. Chapter number 11, verse number 19. You're making notes, write this down. Not only the word got scattered, wicked got saved, but works got started. Now, I want to tell you something. God's still in the church starting business. I know there's a lot of side help ministries. I'm not being critical to say that. But I'm telling you, Bible missions is church planning missions. And you care what happens. I don't care who it is, Brother Gravely. If they're called to God, the Lord of God, go expound the word of God, magnifying the Lord. God will start saving somebody. You know what's going to happen? God will band them together with an unexplainable bond. And a church is born before it's formed. It needs both of them. Yes. Here we find the birth of the first Baptist church at Antioch. In chapter number 11. Watch this fourth thing. Not only the word got scattered, we had got saved, works got started. Look at chapter 11, verse number 27. The Bible said, And in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and they stood up one of them, there stood up one of them named Agabus. He signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Yes. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which were in which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas. Now, look at me just a moment. Not only the words, the word got scattered, wicked got saved, works got started, but the wealth gets shared. Now, I want you to look at this just a moment. Five chapters earlier, chapter six, they got money laying around the feet of the apostles at the First Baptist Church at Jerusalem. Five chapters later, the church down at Antioch takes an offering and sends back to the church at Jerusalem. None of us have a monopoly with our church. You know, I'm telling you, we're going to honor God. God's going to honor us. We don't honor God. God will not honor us. But I want you to look at something else. We find in these verses, this amazes me, Brother Grant. I'd like to know more about this. Look at your Bible again in verse number 28. These stood up, blessed up one of them and and named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth. And Brother Jones, the next four words said throughout all the world. Yes. I wonder what that means. 
So if there's a drought in all the world, that means there's a drought down at Samaria where that new church is started. Why didn't they send money down to Samaria? There's a church down in Africa where the Ethiopian eunuch went. Why didn't they send money down to Ethiopia? By the way, all the world would include Antioch too. Where are they going to get anything to send money? Here's the only thing I can come up with. The church down in Africa, the church at, at Samaria, the church at uh, Cornelius' house, I missed that a minute ago, had not ignored the Great Commission. Amen. There are baby churches, and God covered for them in mercy and grace. Amen. But the church at Jerusalem, willingly knowing God's plan for that church, ignored it. And can I say, God cut their supplies off. Can I give you this final conclusion? Brother Gravity, I'm, I'm sorry I've taken more time than I should have. But look at this just a moment. Here's the way if I'm preaching this in a church pulpit preacher, I give an invitation. I'm not going to, but I give an invitation. But it's an unusual invitation. I'm giving an invitation with two things I would never say otherwise. Number one, I'm going to sit before you. I'm going to open the doors of the church. I'm really going to open the doors of two churches. I'm going to open the doors of the church, First Baptist Church at Jerusalem. I'm going to open the doors of the First Baptist Church at Antioch. Then I'm going to say something else I would never say. I'm going to tell you, join the church of your choice. But before we do this, let's make sure we understand. I'm not discriminating with the crowd, but on this side, I'm just going to say, we've got the church at Jerusalem. You know what their major is? Miracles, money, multiply. Monstrosity. Forget missions. Let's look at the other side. There's the First Baptist Church at Antioch. You know what their major is? They major on, the first major they major on, Brother Peter, is missions. You know what the second thing they major on is? Missions. You know what the third thing to major on is? Missions. Now I want to say something. God moved his headquarters. I hope I'm not getting you in trouble. God moved his headquarters from the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem down to Antioch. Everybody with me on that? I want to tell you something. God, if I'm wrong, help me. God would not even let the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem give us the Bible. They ignored missions. This Bible came out of the church at Antioch. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I do something else? Let's just jump to the judgment seat of Christ. And God said it's time for the missions report. He starts calling churches up. First Baptist Church, come and give your missions report. They step in and say, well, Lord, let me tell you about our miracle. He said, our money, our multitude. He said, them's finding their place. But that's not missions. What did you do about the Great Commission? They will have to acknowledge they abandoned it. That's a bad word, but it's true. God said, step back. The next church is the first Baptist church at Antioch. And so he calls the leaders of Antioch up and said, come here, fellas, and give your missions report. I wish I could whistle real shrill, real shrill, shrill right now. I'd whistle and I'd say, hey, Paul, Barnabas, John Mark, Silas, 
fruit. If you hadn't figured it out yet, you know what that's going to mean? Somewhere down the line, preacher, me and you going to get in. We sat here today. Basically, everybody in this building is here because the church at Antioch instituted the Great Commission instead of abandoning it. Join the church of your choice. Will you work and be a part and live to your church being like Jerusalem? Brother Gravely, I'm honored. You're going to get to build a new building. You know I'm not making any strike. Has anybody got nice buildings? You know that. But I'm simply saying to you, don't build monstrosities at the expense of carrying out missions. Father, please use this. Honor your word, dear Lord, not just for the moment, but throughout days to come in lives of this people. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name.